0: you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 15. As Chris said a while ago, these are only if you need to use them, but um, if you are a first time visitor or if God moves in your life in some way this morning that you want to let us know about, that is uh, what these are here for. Also for prayer requests, or you can just write sermon notes, and if you write sermon notes on them, you may want to take them with you, All right. But anyway, uh, if you're letting us know about anything else, you can just drop them. In that bucket on the way out. And uh, if you don't need it, just set it on the seat beside you and we'll uh, use it later. But anyway, we are so glad that I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I am glad to be back in the house at Pine Valley United Methodist Church uh, after two Sundays. Uh, y'all might be saying, man, he's back. Uh, but anyway, um, but I know that, um, uh, if, and let me tell you, it was hard to stay away, especially last Sunday. But uh, I went somewhere uh, to be fed as well, just because if I'm, if if you're here, if you're uh, one of the pastors here and you're here, you work. Uh, you can't help it but work. But, um, but, the, uh, but it was, I know that I left it in great hands between the other pastors and, and, um, and that they took good care of you, but it is good to be back. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife... And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the Lord of the fruit, an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? And if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, is it, am I supposed to keep up with him? And the Lord said, What have you done, Cain? The voice of your brother's Blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. Now may it speak to our hearts and our lives in a a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are starting a new series, and it's going to take us up till Lent, and Lent is not far away. I tell you, time flies by. And um, but for the next four to five weeks, we're going to be talking about God's great big dysfunctional family. Now, you know, kind of folks are into this ancestry.com thing now, or if some are actually doing it through the one, two, three and me, where you like send them some of your blood or something like that, and they get your DNA and they see where else. Which is kind of scary to me. But anyway. But all of these things are to help folks find out where they came from, find out their family tree, where, where they were from, who they were kin to, and, and all of those kind of things. Well, we know that we uh, are We have been grafted into a family through Jesus Christ. He has grafted us into the family of God. And we have a spiritual family tree. And if you want to know what your spiritual family tree is, all you have to do is pick up this book right here and read in the Old Testament. A lot of folks like to say, well, I don't know if the Old Testament, you know, the New Testament is the new covenant and everything. What can the Old Testament do? Guess what, folks? The Old Testament, we should never unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. God worked in a little bit of different ways sometimes, and sometimes those ways were not very pretty. But still, the Old Testament, in fact, Philip Yancey said it like this, if Jesus is the answer, the Old Testament helps us know what the question is. And so we are going to look for the next several weeks at some stories from the Old Testament and it's going to show us our family tree, our spiritual family tree, but we're going to kind of highlight some of the dysfunctional parts of that family tree. But how if God can use a dysfunctional family to bring us the salvation through Jesus Christ, then I believe that God can use me and that God can use you, that God can use us. And so it's okay if we're not perfect. Because we're all a part of God's great big dysfunctional family tree. So we're going to start that this morning and look at the story of Cain and Abel. Now Cain and Abel were the first children. They were the first family, all right? Adam and Eve uh, bore Cain and then later bore Abel. And so Cain's older than Abel, so they're brothers. And of course, all brothers or sisters uh, sometimes have a little bit of sibling rivalry, right? I know that that happens sometimes and but this one went a little far because both of them bring an offering now Cain is a worker of the ground he's like a farmer, and Abel is like a shepherd, and both of them bring their first fruit to God to make an offering to the Lord as they would as we should as well as we make we bring our first fruits to God uh, through tithing and through serving and and all of those different ways and so they do this now now, for some reason, and there are lots of speculations as to why the reason, but God was pleased with Abel's offering of The uh, animal of his first fruit and the fat of it but was not pleased with Cain's now some scholars say and and I'll just go ahead and tell you I'm not sure exactly what the answer is I reckon it's something we can ask Jesus one day whenever in the sweet by and by but some say well it's because Cain's offering was not a blood offering was not uh, as later the sacrifice would be that they would have to make that for an atonement and that Cain's offering was of the ground and Abel's offering was of uh, it was shed blood of the lamb and the, first, uh, uh, the firstborn of the lamb and everything. But what doesn't make sense there, or may has folks taking a second look at it there, is still both Cain and Abel gave of their first fruit, of their best. But for some reason, God was pleased with Abel's and not with Cain's. Now, many scholars think that the possible reason is this. It wasn't the gift that was given or offered. It was the attitude in which it was offered. That Abel brought God that offering with the right attitude and that Cain brought it with a, an attitude that was not pleasing to God. And that, you know, that's a whole other little lesson for us that it's not what we give to God. It's the attitude and the spirit in which we give it. Amen? But here's the thing. Is that when Cain sees that God was pleased with Abel's, all of a sudden Cain becomes jealous and envious of his brother Abel. And the next thing you know, they take a walk together to the garden. Cain and Abel go to the garden and only Cain comes back. And he had killed his brother Abel and left him there, dead. And so God confronts Cain, says, what have you done? Where's your brother and he says, am I my brother's keeper? And then God says, well, you are cast out. You are cursed. The ground that you've farmed from is cursed. You're going to be a vagabond and a fugitive and all of this. And Cain is like cast out from the family at that point. Now, I want us to look at this story, and we're going to talk about some things about this story and look at three lessons that we can learn from Cain and Abel. Three lessons from Cain and Abel. The first is this. We need to check our hearts regularly For resentful feelings. Check our hearts regularly for resentful feelings. We can see very quickly that Cain becomes jealous and resentful. And there's all kinds of resentful feelings that we we need. But if we don't watch out, those resentful feelings will lead us to sin. They will lead us to hurt ourselves and lead us to hurt others. Look at what it says here in verses 6 and 7. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, sin is constantly waiting and it just feeds on resentful feelings no matter what that resentment is coming from. Now in this story, the resentment was mainly over something called envy. In this story, the main source of resentment was envy. And I want to talk about that for just a minute because I do think that it's something a lot of times we can struggle with and if we don't watch out, it will master over us. It's something that Andy Stanley calls The comparison trap. The comparison trap. And he says that you fall into the comparison trap whenever you find yourself living in the land of Ur. The land of Ur. E-R. Ur. That, that, you know, it's that land where you feel like you've got to be richer or skinnier or taller or healthier or faster or smarter than those around you. And we fall into that land of Ur all the times. We think we look at other people and think we have to be better than them in some way, form, or fashion we uh parents uh use the land of Ur to put undue pressure on their kids sometimes we we also and that is into whatever it may be uh or we may put undue pressure on ourselves to have certain possessions a big girl house a new work car um you know a, a a faster mile run but but the thing is is that we don't need to allow ourselves to live in the land of Ur, because if we do, resentment will come. In fact, one, one pastor called it this, uh, that many folks struggle with, OCD, that's uh, obsessive comparison disorder, obsessive comparison disorder, where we think we've got to have and we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. Now, here's the thing, social media has just kind of made the land of Er explode. Because what do we see on social media? We see everybody else in their highlight reel. Amen? We see it's their best life now that we see all the time. And 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 because, you know, that picture that it might have took 15 minutes to get ready and everybody have smiles on because everybody was mad trying to take it. It might have been that that certain vacation or that certain food or whatever it is. And we, we've got to have that. Oh, I've got to have better food. I've got to have more or whatever. We can find ourselves falling into that land also social media has this thing called filters. And what a filter is, if you don't know, is whenever you take that picture and before you post it, you can take out the blemishes, you can make your everything shine, you can put a little halo on if you want to or whatever it is, and you can make those pictures. And so what we do, we find ourselves constantly disappointed in ourselves because we're seeing the filtered picture of everything. That whole filtered thing of preach right there, amen? Because we, we try to live filtered lives just like that. Whenever really we find ourselves, like everybody else, dysfunctional from time to time. Now Cain's resentment was from envy and that envy led him to sin. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 says it like this. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Hear that? Envy rots our bones. Envy brings us down. And that's why we have to continually check our hearts for resentment. Listen, maybe it's not envy that you're having resentment from. Maybe it's unforgiveness from something somebody's done to you or didn't do for you or something like that. Or or maybe maybe it's uh, other feelings that have led to resentment in some ways. But here's the thing about it. We have to continually check our heart for that. Psalmist... Uh, King David says in 139.23, Psalm 139.23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And so constantly, we, if we want to have the peace of God in our hearts and lives, we have to continually check our hearts for envy. Number two is this, the second lesson. We are our brothers and sisters keepers. We are. Listen, when Cain kills his brother Abel, the Lord confronts him. And what does he say here in verse 9? Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, Cain is like, is it my job to keep up with him? I mean, you know, what, what, should I be looking after him? He's not my problem. But the Lord says, yes, he is. And folks, we need to understand, we are our brothers and sisters keepers. We are supposed to be there. You may say, well, wait a minute, Tim, I'm an only child. Well, guess what? That doesn't get you off the hook because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You have a great big dysfunctional family, all right? And it's all of us. And we are supposed to be there for one another. We are from the same bloodline. And, folks, I'm afraid that we are in a time when a lot of folks have forgotten that we really are supposed to be there for one another. And here's the thing if there's ever, if we find ourselves letting our political ideology, yes, I went there, or our personal preferences, or even our own pleasures come before our love for one another, then we are on the wrong road. Amen. And we need to understand that we are called to bear one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And folks, we have to continue to do that. We have to continue to reach out in that way. We have to continue to be there for each other. I remember it was right before I moved here, I, uh, we had had our 2012 General Conference. I think I told this story right after I moved here, but uh, uh, but it, it still, whenever I think about it, 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 it just comes back uh, and just stirs on my heart, but I remember the General Conference 2012, and and we were down in Tampa, Florida, uh, great place because it was warm, amen, and um, but we were there and and of course we would dress up you know to go to the sessions and all and there were there was I, I think like 16 delegates from North Carolina and all one of our delegates and they usually try to have a couple of these are youth delegates and our youth delegate that year was a young lady by the name of Courtney Jennings Now Courtney is now a physician's assistant so that really makes me feel old by the way but anyway but she was one of our youth delegates and I remember all I was kind of hanging out a lot and stuff and but one of the one of the mornings I I noticed Courtney didn't show up at the morning session. And so it was not until after, the, whenever the afternoon session started at lunch, she came in, I said, where have you been this morning, you know, or, or whatever. And um, I, I saw where they had to have somebody sit in for you. And she said, you would not believe what happens to him, happened to him. She said, I caught my heel on the curb right out there on the concrete in front of the convention center. She said, I caught my heel on the curb and I fell down. She had skimp my knees, skimped my elbow, tore my uh, slacks, the, the knee of my slacks and everything. She said, but here's the worst part of it. She said, I'm laying there on the concrete. I fell, I, I, all the stuff in my hands, kind of. my bag flew out and everything. And there I am laying there. And she said, all of these delegates from the general conference just walked right on by. I mean, evidently they... Their their business must have been more important than helping somebody. But anyway, here's the thing. She said it was actually a shuttle driver that gets out of the shuttle and comes down there and helps me up and helps me get the stuff up. She said, yeah, little United Methodist women walking by and and delegates and preachers and, and all that. They were walking by and they were so busy doing the church business that they forgot to see. Somebody in need. And folks, we cannot find ourselves so busy, even doing church, that we forget to be the church. Amen? And that's what it means to be our brother and sister's keepers. And lastly is this. Not only should we check our hearts regularly for resentment, not only are we our brother's and sister's keeper, but also despite our sin. God still offers grace. Now, with the Old Testament, God offered grace in some different ways. Now, we know the extension of grace that we live under and enjoy now is the grace of Jesus. But God offered grace. A lot of people say, oh, that's a different God in the Old Testament. He's a God of judgment and all of that. if you look and you read these stories, God still offers grace. Every time, he still offers some type of grace in some way. He extends grace. And look at what happens with Cain. So God tells Cain, you're cursed, you're going to be a vagabond, all of that. And listen what Cain says in verse 6. And I'm sorry, verse 14. Surely, you have driven me out of this day. And i just got to say this, and don't call me Shirley. You know what I mean? But anyway, I, I had to say that. But if you ever watch Airplane, you'll know. But surely, you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground... I, have be, I shall be hidden from your face, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Now understand, our sin always has consequences. Even under the grace of Jesus, when we do things that are sinful, it still can have consequences because it still can hurt us and it still can hurt others. So it's still there are consequences of sin. And so Abel's dead, Cain gets cursed and is sent out. But I want you to hear something here. God still has grace on Cain. Verse 15 says, And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. You hear that? Cain's killed his brother Abel. He's been cast out, but still, still, By God's grace, God puts a mark on him and protects him. Now folks, that's grace. But the good news is that that grace has been extended even further for you and me. There's a story about a guy by the name of Tyler Moon. And in October of 2019, he was running in a 10-mile race. Now, he wanted, to, you know, he wanted to kind of be a witness in some way. So on his racing bib, he, he had, in big letters, he had it, the message that said, Jesus saves. And he wanted everybody to see as he was running by that he knows that Jesus saves. Well, he didn't know, but that saying was actually going to be Prophetic that day. Not pathetic, but prophetic. In other words, he didn't know how that was actually going to come to play. Anyway, at mile eight, Tyler falls out, passes out with a major heart attack. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I probably would have done that at mile 0.08. But anyway, and I've never seen a happy runner. Amen. I just got to, never, never. But anyway, Tyler Moon falls out at mile 8, 25 years old, falls out with a massive heart attack. The next runner that comes to him stops to help. And his name is Jesus Bueno, which means Jesus is good. Jesus stops and... Start CPR on Tyler and, and of course the rescue come and everything and Tyler lives. They get him back and Tyler lives through that. And he said, I have a new and a greater appreciation of what it means that Jesus saves. And Folks, when we can truly understand that our sin leaves us dead. It leaves us dead spiritually, emotionally. It can leave us dead physically in different ways. It it can or lead towards dying physically. All of those things. But what we need to know is that it is His grace that is extended to us. That Jesus saves. This morning in this place, it is heart checking, burden bearing... In grace live in time. And I pray that if for whatever reason, that's not our story, that we'll make it our story today. Let us pray. Lord, maybe there's some of us here that simply need to check our hearts. Maybe it's because of envy. Maybe it's because of resentment of other kinds. But Lord, help us to check our hearts and help us to invite you to move in our lives in a way that we will know the fullness of who you are. Maybe there's some of us here, Lord, that we have forgotten that we are to be in the burden-bearing business, and we are the keepers of each other, looking after each other, having each other's backs. Lord, let us be a church, let us be a people, that that's what we live. And then, Lord, let us remember that we need your grace. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that simply needs to know you as Lord and Savior and invite you and your grace into their heart to forgive them of their sins. Lord, right now in this place, whether they're watching online or whether they're in this house, Lord, let them say yes to your love and invite you in as Lord, as Savior, and as King of our hearts. Lord, let us receive all that you have for us this day.